Um, I'm Morgan Flores and I play for the UW softball team and this is Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. It is not me alone today. Bennett is here. Say hello, Bennett. Hello. Bennett is back and he's doing a deeper voice for some reason. Yeah. Not sure if that's going to be a continual thing. Probably not. Speaking of non-continual things, the Seahawks still don't win. Uh, ah. In week 10, Seattle traveled to Green Bay Lambeau Stadium and would lose that game against the Packers by a score of 17 to nothing. Um, I mean, there's a pretty negative tone around this game, right? But I mean, yeah. for the most part, I mean, for a good amount of the game, this was a game that was in reach, right? You know, um, I was kind of surprised to see that at halftime, this game was three, nothing. Right. Um, and if we look I mean, green Bay scored 14 of their points in the fourth quarter, uh, yeah, that second one coming with a minute 56 left to go. So, uh, you know, the, at, at halftime, this was a very winnable game, but obviously that only matters so much, uh, at least from what I saw. And obviously Bennett, you know, can agree or disagree. Offense really stalled out. I mean, there's not many times that you look at a Seahawks game in the tenure of Russell Wilson. You say, hey, Russell was a contributing factor in this loss. This is one of those times. Obviously, it's a team game, but it looked like, I mean, for the most part, to go into halftime against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau and only be down by three i would say that's a victory in and of itself yeah um russell two big mistakes uh that first one i mean, I mean maybe a mistake and a half that pick uh, that one to kevin king questionable uh weird i don't get that they just you know uh but then that second one i was telling bennett as soon as i saw that thing that that play take place where russell just heaved it and it just kind of was one of those things you'd see like a Jake Luton kind of play that he would make. Uh, it was just like, this is weird, you know? Um, and those critical mistakes ended up being huge that, and a couple other things, uh, Carlos and lap deciding to throw a shoe on third down, giving the Seahawks a penalty and then advancing the green Bay drive. Just, just, um, you know, another, <laughs> this is the season of frustrating losses. Uh, Run game kind of was a non-factor. I mean, it's interesting. You look at the stats here. Russell Wilson attempted 40 passes uh, in a game where he was coming back off of a finger injury, and you figure you might want to run the ball a little bit more, especially because we know who Pete Carroll is. Alex Collins only had 10 carries. I'm kind of surprised by that. Uh, no Rashad Penny guy. You know, what a what a womp, guy. Womp. Um. I, I thought the defense did its job, and to me, I'm I'm hitting the red panic button, and I'm freaking out because, you know, as Bennett and I talked about <clears throat> before this, um, a lot of national media and CX fans kind of pointed this: "Hey, this is a must-win game." You know, if you look at any game in Lambeau while Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, uh, and you look at it as a must-win, it, it's kind of not exactly in your favor i'd say you've got maybe 20 hmm, i feel like 25 is generous maybe 20 percent may i mean like it's it's the packers at lambeau and you're the seahawks who just got their quarterback back 
Mm. Also, to add to that, uh, with with the win against us, Green Bay now has the most home wins in NFL history. They passed Chicago, so it's like you know, it's <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, to go in with your quarterback who is just coming off of an injury, probably needs his timing back a little bit. Um, I and and, and I. I I have, I have a piece about this and I'm actually going to write a thing for the, the website about this. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how much we might see Shane Waldron's offense being hindered here by a certain gum chewing fellow. Um, yeah. Cause we do know he was uh, intervening on certain play calls. Um, well, that, and then just the way that the Schottenheimer era ended last year with the whole, like in the, in the tweet, that was announcing from the Seahawks account that was announcing that Schottenheimer wasn't the offensive coordinator more uh, anymore. It said that there were philosophical differences. And then the Schefter tweet was that the Pete Carroll and Schottenheimer met uh, and got in a meeting and they, they basically couldn't see eye to eye. And so Schottenheimer quit. So, I mean, what Carol, what Carol runs is a, and the, you know, criticize me how you want for this, but what Carol runs is a college West Coast offense from 2010. That you, you it's, not, it's unacceptable to run an offense like that at this point. You know what I mean? Like the NFL is not a running league anymore. I don't care how good Derrick Henry is. He's in like. And he's injured. So, no, it's not a running league. It hasn't been for, like, the last six years. You got you got Peyton – not Peyton Manning. You got Patrick Mahomes – same initials, my bad. You Peyton got Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and Tom Brady out here slanging four-plus touchdowns a week, not this week for Brady. Um, but what are you expecting when you have somebody like Russell benched, you know, because of an injury? Gino comes out there, tries his best in this system – the system is rigged for the Seahawks to not win games, and it's not because the NFL is corrupt. It's not because the refs are paid off. It's because Pete Carroll is stuck in 2010 in terms of offensive schemes. He's done nothing to evolve to the game. If if I'm signaling any red alert, it's about coaching, and I, I oh I, yeah, I, I will no, exactly. always be on the side of the players. You'll you'll never catch me criticizing the players and not the coach. Because when a football team struggles like the Seahawks are struggling, it is indicative of poor coaching, not of poor players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's funny. Uh, and it applies to this show. Both of our football teams here, uh, you know, in, in UW and the Seahawks. My boy, Jimmy Lake. It's, it's not for lack of talent on these teams. You know, you don't look at the Seahawks and say, hey, they don't have the talent. It's full, you're full of shit. You know, you, you look at just the offense alone, obviously, Russell Wilson, uh, Chris Carson when healthy, you know, wide receiver core, don't even need to say it. Tight end, Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett had the best receiving game of his Seahawks, short Seahawks career, this game. Uh, obviously talented. You know, Will just is there. Kobe Parkinson's tall, so do with that what you will. I don't know. Haven't really used him. Defensive side of the ball, you know, a lot of young talent there. Jordan Brooks has quietly led the team in tackles for several games this season including this past game. Uh, Bobby Wagner is surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, Cornerback is an interesting situation, but Trey Brown is really emerging. You know, uh, 
defensive line is still sort of a conundrum, you know, and still nobody really sticking out as a sack leader. Uh, but the safeties, you know, Jamal Adams has been productive. You know, people are looking at interceptions, numbers like that, but obviously not everybody is going to show up on paper as an interception master and be good at their job. You know, it's like judging an NBA player off their points. Not every NBA player that's good is going to just score, right? Um, and Quandre Diggs is both a ball hawk and can hit the and can hit hard. You know, so it's it's just about if if you're a good coach, you're going to put these guys, you're going to take these talents, and you're going to put them in positions to succeed. That's on the coaching, you know. Um, it's just insane to me. Well, let let, let me use let me use uh offensive coordinators here we're talking about offensive coordinators kind of started that conversation right about Pete Carroll having his hands on things um it's it's really weird remember you remember week one you know we had all this pre-snap motion yeah what happened was that like a a trial and we just didn't pay for the subscription price I mean it's weird and then to go back to the Schottenheimer thing first half of the season all this you know, different stuff. Then second half, much, much more different, much more basic. Uh, it's bizarre, you know, and it's, I think at some point, uh, Pete Carroll did say, hey, we need to get back to running the ball. And, you know, it, there's no problem with running the ball. You can certainly do that. You need to do it to have balance in an offense. Um, but there's also getting creative with running the ball. And it's even to go back to the UW thing, uh, even after the loss to Arizona State, uh, Left tackle Jackson Kirkland said that we, we we basically got away from being creative and we started running the ball straight up the middle between the tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the players say that kind of shit, kind of you know, so coaching coaching a hundred percent and something that has been talked about throughout the season, uh, ever since the Russell Wilson saga in the off season, right? Something that's been talked about is if the ultimatum comes up where it's like where it's like a relationship where someone goes it's me or this and if it russell like somehow goes up to oh god help me what's her name uh what's paul allen's sister's name oh i have no idea i'm so sorry um but if he goes up to management and he says hey it's me or pete carroll if i'm management i feel like it's a no brainer sorry pete i you know should be at, at this point you know, with, with how just disappointed I am, I would not be, I wouldn't feel bad if Russell left. I mean, I'm not like, like, uh, what's the word? I wouldn't be mad at Russell. There we go. Yeah. I, I would understand his decision because fuck, you know, in life, if, if I'm not getting the most out of a situation and it, it doesn't, and it's been a substantial amount of time and things aren't changing, you know, if it was one year, right, and it's kind of your hands are tied, the organization's kind of working on things, trying to get it better, sure, right? But now it's been 10 seasons. Uh, we don't have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. It's not that kind of running game. It's not like Russell Wilson doesn't have an arm, right? Mm-hmm. All these, it's, it's, it, there's nothing that supports the idea that of the Pete Carroll offense um, with the pieces on the table. If we had Geno Smith as a starting quarterback, sure, go ahead. Let's do it, but we don't. So I'm just kind of in my disappointment mode. It's, I don't know, hard to get up for this kind of stuff now, you know, 
playing against the Packers, I would love to beat the Packers, especially with all this Aaron Rodgers shit. Love it. But yeah, yeah fuck Aaron Rodgers. Oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Oh, thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm, I, I don't know about you, Bennett, but I'm just in disappointment. Like, we don't even talk about the games anymore in the group chat. It's just like, eh. I know. We just watch that shit and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just disappointment mode because it, these are issues that we have outlined. And Pete Carroll is a guy that, to the end of time, is going to ride with his guys. Again, to, to, to this point, Ken Norton, defense has been playing better. Sure. Good. But. You know, with some situations, uh, he wouldn't have been gone a while ago just because of the, you know, like the being on pace to be the worst defensive team ever, that kind of stuff. That would get you fired. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, you know, just staying with guys a little too long. But also it's, the offensive coordinator conundrum is very, very interesting because people are like, oh, what happened to Shane Walter? Just look at week one. Look at it. Preach that motion, moving the ball. Obviously, you know, that game kind of got a little bit close, but I don't know. It's just really weird. All this stuff that know, the Rams man. do just disappeared. To me, to me, that is like if anything was indicative of the problems with the Seahawks, it would be like it, it, it just like you have you have to look no further than the situation with the coordinators. Like Shoddy found pretty solid ground. Um, at the start of last year, mm-hmm. yeah, and and you know we lose them, and that's okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it is business. If you have a philosophical difference in your coach, do you leave? Okay, we don't really know what that philosophical difference is. We can guess. We do. We'll never know uh, unless unless he releases some tell all someday. However, when you start looking at this year, and all of a sudden your your coaches schemes that are so prevalent on the Rams team that we've played, you know, multiple years in a row is neutered and turned into something very blanch and, you know, something we've seen a million times. And then you start looking at our defensive coordinator, who's been a ride or die with his head coach for multiple years, who has not produced ever in his career in the NFL ever. It, it makes you start questioning why someone like Shoddy leaves and someone like Norton stays, you know, it, it, mm. it's indicative of the entire team. Big sigh. It's just disappointing. It's disappointing. Cause this, I think this team has so much potential to be like one of the better teams, in the NFL. And we're just having like an implosion of a season and part of it. Yeah. Can't really control that because Russell died and, you know, you do with that what you will. But, I mean, if anything was going to expose that this football team needed him, it'd be that. I, you know, I just, it'll be another thing this offseason to see what goes on because, you know, all, all these different, like, articles come out. Oh, teams that could be looking for a quarterback. It's always got Russell on the cover, right? Uh, you know, and it was really like a big thing to see how the Seahawks did this season to see what Russell's status would be like going forward. Obviously, mm-hmm. he has a couple of years on his contract. And it's like, even if you do trade Russell, right, and you get some King's bounty, which you have to, if you don't, they, fuck. Uh, um, 
say you do. Okay. Who's guiding you through a rebuild? It's not Pete Carroll. I hope it's not. Cause that, if you like, if you can clone Marshawn Lynch and somehow draft him, sure. Go ahead. Like, you know, uh, if Russell goes, Pete Carroll shouldn't be that far behind him. And then you just have to hit the reset button. You got to flush, you know, a bunch of guys. I don't think DK is going to stay through a, a, re- a rebuild, you know, Bobby oh. Wagner's probably getting towards the end of his career. Sadly, God, that hurts me to say, you know, um, I'm not saying like next year, but you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, a very interesting conundrum in this idea of a Super Bowl window. It's, you know, with, with the, the moves that have been made in the different, Oh, one thing that goes back to as well, drafting. Remember that guy I just mentioned in Rashad Penny, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Drafting LJ Collier was active for the first time in like six weeks, but you know, being active six, no, being inactive six of nine weeks is a healthy scratch. It's not good. So, I mean, oh, drafting sorry. and play calling. Yeah. I I have no idea. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this This team has me worried more than anything. It's, I've just hit disappointment. That's all it is. Um, so, uh, stat leaders, yes. Uh, passing Russell Wilson, 20 completions on 40 attempts for 161 yards and two interceptions. Alex Collins on the ground with 10 carries for 41 yards. Receiving Gerald Everett, eight receptions for 63 yards. Not a bad day for the uh, first-year tight end uh, from first year in Seattle. Uh, tackles Jordan Brooks, 13 total, 10 solo, one tackle for loss. Uh, turnovers jamal adams shows up in the turnover department here with one interception um offensive and defensive mvps uh, offense kind of hard because it's not like you know there were the running back who showed out well um god don't let him draft a running back just see if you can sign somebody this offseason jesus um i just gave it a gerald everett i mean i thought he had a good game he reception for six three yards uh to Bennett's point, it's not like on paper these guys don't have talent. They knew. It's just about using it correctly. Um, but yes, I, I offensive uh, Gerald Everett. You Bennett. I mean, I it's hard to give it to anybody when yeah. uh, when an offense puts up a nice goose egg. Yeah, um, first time in a decade. That's insane to me, but. Yeah, didn't even kick a get a field goal. Didn't even. That's amazing to me. I guess I'll give it to Everett um, or Collins. I mean, Collins had a valiant effort. I mean, when you only get to run ten times, getting forty-one yards is not not a horrible deal. Um, yeah, I guess for variety's sake, I'll go with Collins. Not horrible and you know to to alex collins's credit um he's he's done a serviceable job as a backup but that's the problem is that we're looking at a backup quality player taking starter quality time um and when you're <sighs> that was the big thing this offseason that we looked at right it's like 
if the team is, I mean, we didn't think that Chris Carson was going to be back. I didn't at least. Right. Well, none of us, none of us in the podcast did at least. No. Um, so that came as a surprise and the contract he signed was a surprise. I think it was two years. Right. I think there was a third void year, which, which John Schneider did a bunch of void year shit. Um, yeah. And void year shit makes me nauseous, but confusing. Whatever. My brain hurt. Um, but what was it? Oh yeah, it was it was like, hey, again, if he can stay healthy, sure, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got no problem with his game when he's healthy. I don't think any of us have healthy. complained. Oh, Chris Carson doesn't do this. It's it's outside of being you know staying healthy. No, it's just staying on the field so that your money you know uh, is actually going somewhere instead of you know I'm rehabbing right now and earning money. You know. Um, so that's 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 one thing. If somehow, by God's grace, Russell Wilson stays next year, okay, um, I think you do need to get a, a running back by some some will or way. Um, and some other thing I'll say about um, this brass, you know, and Pete Carroll and John Schneider. I don't know if it's John Schneider or more so Pete Carroll. They like going for these diamonds in the rough, right? They don't really like going for the guy at LSU who did great. Like, and or, you know what I mean? Um, it's always like a guy like D. Eskridge who went to like Wyoming or something. And it's like, oh, what the hell? It's like, oh, you know, and, and that's great when it works out. But sometimes there are guys out there, you know, who are proven talent and they do stuff. You know, I mean, there's a lot of drafts you could look at and say, hey, why the hell did the Seahawks draft uh, Amara Darbo instead of, you know, some other, you know, you get what I'm saying? You know, it's it's confusing to me. Um, they try to go for this diamond and rough approach. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we found this guy. He's got a lot of heart, really, you know, um, bullshit. Come on, dude. You know, this yeah, dude at Oklahoma pulled State. That right, pulled that right out of the Pete Carroll script. <laughs> He's got a lot of heart, you know. He's always he's always competing. That's always competing. Love about him. That's really what we love about him. He's he's really he just goes out there and just really plays some good ball, man. So we're we're really excited to play some good ball. It's like this dude from Oklahoma State like ran for four thousand yards and you passed up on him. And you said, you know who would be better, Rashad Penny. Yeah, guy from SDSU. You know, got a lot of heart. Really, SDSU. Really, really gritty. Really knows how to run the rock. He knows uh, how to run the rock, you know, really pounds the rock over there. So, you know, really good system over there and really, really, really excited to get on the team. And and then Rashad Penny, you know. So there, there's a bunch of things that contribute. But right now, it's like for years, you could kind of get away with that. Like it could all be overshadowed. Now it's all coming into the, the, the spotlight. Like you're finally putting all of your insecurities and problems out into the Broadway stage and saying, here, look. And people are throwing the tomatoes at you and you're all sad. And it's like, oh, okay. And then we're like the the fans of the production. We're just like, oh, okay. We're just kind of sitting over to the side. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. But not much we can do. Um, defense, Jamal. I, I gave Jamal uh, 11 total tackles, seven solo, one pick. Finally got his pick as a Seahawk. Yay. I know. Let's go. Um, I know people give Jamal a hard time, but, you know, at least – from what I've seen, you know, stats wise and, you know, what I've heard from not, not Pete Carroll, but other coaches and stuff that aren't like guys who are not guys, not 12 year olds on Instagram who call him blitz boy, 
or dumb <laughs> shit like that. Or so be like, oh, there's the picture of him next to uh, Vince Wilforth. They're like, oh, Jamal Adams has as many picks as Vince Wilforth now. I'm like, dude, it, it, again, it, it goes back to like measuring a player by one stat. It's like, yeah, it's dumb. It's you dumb. look at guys like, baseball players you just look at their average it's like is that the only reason you look at don't the batting average that all i look at you know or era more so more so era right you know it's like if i pitch for the angels and the well obviously not mike trout but all my uh outfielders and fielders are ass and does that really reflect on me if they can't make a throw to shortstop or i mean like strikeouts for a pitcher is even a better example because it's like Okay, I'm not a strikeout pitcher. I usually yeah, pitch contact. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if my strikeout rate's really low, but I get a lot of outs. But my know, ERA so. is like three point one. You can't really blame me. Yeah. So you know, it, it's I don't know. I don't like the whole one stat is the determining factor in how good this guy is. Okay, sure. Yeah. Wins are not a quarterback stat either. It's your turn. Do you disagree with that? Do you no, I mean defensive. Players. Oh, defensive pick, uh, Jordan Brooks. Yeah, no, he's been he's been real, and that's good. That goes back to the talent thing. I mean, Jordan Brooks has talent, you know. Yeah, I mean, just, I, he's like the. I think he's the only draft pick in recent memory that was in an early round that I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be stupid," and then I watched him play and was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. No, I'm. Like he's, I'm, I'm he's fully quietly on. been up there, and I don't know. I don't see him. Well, no, I see him. It's just, you know, good. Keep it up. You know. Yeah, I'm firmly on the Jordan Brooks train. I think I think he's a great player, and I think he's a good addition to the team, and I think he'll like continue to be. I just sometimes he worries me because uh, he misses some assignments here and there. But yeah, no, and to that that point, you know, at least he's got a good teacher. It would be really nice though if. Oh, <clears throat> speaking of putting players in positions to succeed, uh, a lot of this year I've seen Benson Mayoa in coverage. Mm. Um, uh huh. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what was the one we texted about where he was like on coverage on the weird like Cooper Cup? It was like, what? Oh Jesus! What is happening? I just the main one I remember was that it was the Steelers game and it was on the goal line. And they put him in man coverage, Najee Harris. I was like, that's a great idea, isn't it? And they obviously threw it to Najee Harris and he scored. Yeah, of course. Like, okay. No, but I'm like, I think I watched it this off this this game, and it, I think it was just in zone or something. Um, like he was in the flat, but he just could not handle the guy that was in the flat. And I was just like, oh. I wish we had a linebacker who could cover. Yeah, oh, a linebacker hey. who is notorious for covering like shady tight ends. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh man, if almost it was almost like Spider Man in some ways. Don't have to. Uh... Yeah. AJ, hold on, I'm getting a bit. AJ left. AJ no. left. AJ Hawk. Is that who you're talking about? <laughs> Wait, I think I may be thinking of someone. K- KJ. Oh, KJ Wright. That's right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and I don't even think he got that much money from the Raiders. No. And I want to see now. I'm not going to say he's playing for a better team, but. <laughs> no, they're they're really f- bizarre. One year, 3.4 million. Really? Really? We couldn't scrape that up? Funny. Funny. Funny guy. Um, That's the thing, too. When we talk about, like, um, 
cap. Like, uh, for instance, the Dwayne Brown thing, right? With his money he wanted. Russell openly admits, he's like, hey, I'll open my money. I'll, I'll mess with my contract. So it's not like they can't make cap space. It's not like that's not a problem. So, you know, anyway, I don't like talking about these guys anymore. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Uh, injury news prior to game time, November 9th, Chris Carson returned to practice uh, and it would be determined throughout the week whether or not he would play against the Packers. Uh, the neck pain was reportedly gone. Well, I, I say reportedly because you want to remember that. Uh, November 11th, Russell said he felt great, uh, said his finger was about 90%. November wow. 12th, Seattle activated both Wilson and D. Eskridge off of IR. Uh, it was announced on that 12th that Chris Carson, Cody Barton, Marquise Blair, uh, Bless Austin would all be listed out for Sunday's game. Uh, game day inactives on the 14th were quarterback Jacob Easton, cornerback Bless Austin, uh, linebacker Cody Barton, center Dakota Shepley, left uh, tackle Sone Forsyth, and defensive tackle Robert and Kim Dietschy. Uh, Post game, the injuries that came out of that game were that left tackle Dwayne Brown is only with a hip injury. Uh, on the severity of that still being being determined. Uh, and then safety Ryan Neal is being treated for a potential concussion. The severity of that of, is still being sort of looked at. <coughs> um, but it's only Monday, so we'll have to kind of go with that and learn about that as we continue on here. Uh, team notes, there's this whole thing with Odell Beckham. I'll just kind of speed it up. Obviously, I think I talked about it last week, but Odell goes off the Browns. Um, Seahawks were a team that reportedly interested in him for on the waiver wire because they were like the only team that made sense in the top 10. Uh, November 8th, Pete Carroll adds fuel to the fire saying that you'll see when he was asked whether or not the team will add Odell Beckham Jr. Beckham cleared waivers. Seahawks did not put a claim in, making him a free agent. Uh, reportedly, Beckham was focused on the Chiefs, Packers, and Saints. Uh, Green Bay was offering Odell the minimum since they're strapped for money. Uh, that same day, Odell decides he will not rush a decision and is still a few days away. November 11th, he announced in the beginning of the day that he will make his decision on Sunday. Later that day, it would be announced that Beckham had decided to join the Rams on a one-year deal. Boom. So that was a shit stick. Um, it just, it's so funny because someone was like, before it happened, someone was like, Pete Carroll is definitely going to be like, oh, we, we, were, we were so close. What did he do? Like he always does. Yeah. We were so close. It's like, you know, all you had to do was put a, ra- a waiver claim in. Then you take priority, right? I mean, it's yeah. like, sure, you take up the $7 million, but you don't think you could make – if Russell – Russell had his own recruiting pitch to the dude. You don't think you could say, hey, Russell, can we bump a little bit of this money? You don't think he would have said sure? I think he would have said sure. Definitely would have. It's like so, something Russell's renowned for doing. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, November 14th, uh, DK Metcalf in the game against the Packers had a scuffle late in the game with some Packer defensive backs. He was ejected from the game, and then his big ass tried to sneak back into the huddle. And I don't know if you're aware, Bennett, okay, DK's a pretty big guy. No, really? So it's kind of impossible for him to sneak into the huddle without somebody being like, hey, that's DK Metcalf. Oh, he's wearing number 14. Uh, Ooh, it kind of looks like DK Metcalf to me. So he's expected to be fined, but not suspended. I um, hey, I am so surprised he's not being suspended for that. 
didn't even see the full thing. I mean, being ejected for face masking and fighting is one thing, but trying to sneak back, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I was like, like hey, what's he doing? In any sport, I have never heard of that. That oh. sounds like baseball antics, quite honestly. DK Metcalf, full met that. And to, again, to the point, I oh, I understand. How many guys did he fight? Did he fight four guys? I thought like two or three. Was he having like a, a nice little four-person fight? Well, let me see the full video. Was he, was he fighting with four people in particular? Okay. Uh, first, he goes to this DB, grabs him by the face, and it's like basically like, like okay, I'm going to talk to you. Um, I see three. Yeah, and then he starts to kind of like try to walk away. And then this other dickhead tries to come talk to him. No, yeah, he was talking to a lot of people. And then he grabbed another dude by the face mask. Oh, okay, I see now. Ah, so there was four including him. Interesting. Oh, he pushed Rasul. Doc, I don't know if you're aware of the story I'm referring to. Perhaps you covered it last week. But... Oh, no, <laughs> we're not going to go with that. All right. I forgot that saga happened. It's been a long season. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, to the point to go back to the talent thing, you got to do like DK Metcalf and he only gets like four touches a game. Kind of yeah. feels not correct. When when I remember during the broadcast, stupid Tony Romo goes, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, talking about Devontae Adams and the Packers, they just find ways to get him the ball. Why can we not do that with this, like, six – is he six four, six five? This demigod of a human being, why not? Hmm? Hmm? Why have Ferrari if no drive it? Hmm? Hmm? Tell me. Because Ferrari sometimes has own mind and hit other car? I guess. Um, November 15th, tight end Tyler Mabry was signed to the active roster. Uh, and in a corresponding move, quarterback Jake Luton was waived. Uh, in league-related news, Aaron Rodgers backtracks, kind of. On uh, another episode of the Pat McAfee Show, Rodgers said that he takes full responsibility for his remarks about the vaccine but continues to stand by them. Rogers was fined fifteen thousand. No, pardon me, fourteen thousand six hundred and fifty dollars for breaking COVID protocols. For reference, wide receiver C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys was fined more money uh, because he had his shirt untucked. Um, why the be... fuck? Why does, bro? Why? <laughs> why? I'm just. I. Why does Pat McAfee keep having that Joker on his show, bro? I they guess have it's the thing this year where he like shows up every week. Why? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I would think Pat McAfee hates that guy. Not because of anything political, just because Lions and Packers. I'm stupid. He played for the Colts. My bad. Never mind. But, oh, and no, I think you might be thinking of Prater. Yeah, I'm thinking of Matt Prater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is just the initial switched. Um, God, all these PMs and MPs. What the fuck? Uh... Ryers would be activated November 13th, the day before the game, to be able to play versus Seattle. How convenient, right? Uh, John Gruden is suing the NFL. Uh, lawsuit says that the <laughs> ex-Raiders head coach was forced to resign, and NFL, Roger, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell sought to destroy his career. So you'll certainly hear how that goes uh, if Mr. Gruden gets any money, which I don't think he will. Yeah, um, and then Tom Brady, you know that guy, 
uh, blast the seven game, 17 game season, saying that it was a terrible decision, calling the move pointless. I don't disagree with him. Hey, you know what? Weirdly enough, I kind of agree with him on this one. Um, the Seahawks did a lovely three and six record, fourth in the NFC West. Next week, the, it does not get any easier. Uh, the Seahawks return home, which doesn't seem to matter because they're one and three at home. They will play the Arizona Cardinals starting at one twenty-five p.m. The Cardinals sit at an eight and two record and are atop the NFC West with the first overall. They're the first in the NFC West. Yeah, if we're going to talk about most of the games. Yeah, if you want to have any hope of, I feel like just making the playoffs, which is, I mean, which I mean, at this point, that's at the window for me. Yeah, this is like if you want to scrape out the very bottom wild card. Um, that yeah, if we want to take the NFC East slot, which does not seem to be a thing anymore because the Cowboys are good this year, what? Um, yeah, that's kind of surprising. Yeah, what's that about? Um, so anyway, no more of those dumb dumb. Uh, Seattle Mariners, obviously, no games. Uh, but we do have some offseason news speculations. Uh, injury news, Evan White has started baseball activity and is expected to have a normal offseason of work. He is expected to be ready to go when spring training opens. Uh, uncertainty about Kyle Lewis's status for spring training. Uh, the Mariners will not be able to project his role until they see him in February. Lewis has not resumed baseball activity at this current point in time. Uh, after dealing with shoulder issues, Justin Dunn has been cleared for a normal offseason and is expected to be ready for spring training. Uh, team news. So Jerry DePoto had a lot to say at the GM meetings, uh, made it clear to JP Crawford at the end of the season that he was the team starting shortstop moving forward, regardless of who they are linked to in free agency. Obviously this has to go with the fact that there are a lot of shortstops on the market, this free agency, and, uh, but also the fact that the shortstops have been playing different positions on their respective teams that they were on last season. Uh, so the possibility of them being moved after being signed is you know, in the cards, uh, the marriage will engage in the shortstop market, but will make it clear that they would be asked to move to second or third base. That is in regards to the player. Uh, DePoto asked JP Crawford to be available to help recruit potential infield candidates, particularly shortstops that they're asking to convert to second base or third. Uh, DePoto was surprised that Yusei Kikuchi declined his player option. <laughs> you and me both, bud. The team will look to add two starting pitchers this offseason. Whoa. Uh, asked about rumors that the Oakland Athletics are planning to move several of their arbitration-eligible players, uh, DePoto said he expects to have plenty of conversations with Oakland. We like them all. Oh, wow. Um, said that they likely will not so likely won't non-tender any of their club-controlled players, but admitted they are getting into a roster crunch situation with their 40-man <coughs> and could lose some of those players eventually if they add free agents. The Poto said that the Mariners will go into the 2022 season with Ty France as the starting first baseman. They've asked Evan White to work some in left field this offseason and spring. What? White's primary position is still first base, but they want some position versatility. I, I, you know, I think with Evan and I, trust me, I like Evan. I, you know, I have since 2020. Um, with the emergence of Ty France, I feel like Evan White eventually will end up in a trade package. 
Um, I can imagine. But I feel like the Mariners' hands are tied due to his contract. So there might be like, hey, buddy, until we figure out what to do with you, maybe you can play left field. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Go go out there. Go see how it is. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. It sucks, but, I mean, it, it's good to have Ty France. I won't complain about that. Um, the photo said they've had multiple people in the organization scout Japanese outfielder Sia Suzuki over the course of the Nippon professional baseball season. They have genuine interest in him. So expect the Mariners to be one of the teams that are interested uh, in him this offseason when he becomes eligible to sign. Uh, DePoto said that they don't feel center field is Jared Koenig's optimal, optimal position for success, but said he will likely play at least some center field next season. And that as of now, acquiring a center fielder via free agency or trade isn't a priority given the number of outfielders in the organization. DePoto said that part of the issue is that the center field market is somewhat limited in availability and fit to the organization. Jerry mentioned that Julio Rodriguez's speed and athleticism has improved significantly over the last two seasons and that he could possibly play some center field. Rodriguez recently beat Victor Labrada, one of the fastest players in the organization, in a 40-yard race at the team's oh. HP camp. Um when asked about Rodriguez making the opening day roster, DePoto said that truly it is going to be defined by what we do this offseason. Obviously, if we add an outfielder to the mix, it becomes less likely that Julio is part of the opening day mix. But he's got the type of talent that you never say never. He's one of those players who has a chance to do amazing things. I know he will come in ready to wow people, and he's not afraid to have the spotlight on him. <clears throat> the Poto said they likely will go into 2022 with the same group of catchers, Tom Murphy, Cal Raleigh, Luis Torrens, and Jose Godoy on their 40-man roster. I don't like that, that was a little disappointing. I was like, oh, another year of the Murph. Yeah. Hey, listen, Tom Murphy, if you're out there, I don't mind you. I don't mind you at all. I don't mind any of those folks. I think they just know that they're not the best option for the Mariners right now. Listen, you know, you get Cal Raleigh some proper development. Sure, fine. We're good there. But I don't know how close that is, you know? Yeah. Um, And then the last sort of offseason news for the Mariners as themselves. Uh, it's funny. They announced that there's going to be big news today. And it was announcing the 2022 coaching staff. Yay. Yay. Manager Scott Skervis. Skervis? Oh, new guy. Skervis. Uh, first base coach Christopher Negron, the former uh, skipper for the Tacoma Rainiers, jumps up to play first base coach with the Mariners. Uh, third base coach, still Manny Acta. Hitting and director of hitting strategy coach is Jared DeHart. Still hitting coach is Tony Arnerick. Pitching coach is still Pete Woodworth. Bullpen and director of pitching strategy coach is still Trent Blank. Infield coach is still Perry Hill. Perry steps down from the first base coach role, though. Major League and senior director of baseball development is still Andy McKay. Major League field coordinator is Carson Vital. Batting practice pitcher is Nasusel Cabrera. And bullpen catcher is still Fleming Baez. In league-related notes, there are potential uh, collective bargaining agreement issues. Uh, MLB Insider said that the current talks about the CBA are as bad as I've ever seen and predicts that there are going to be two and a half months of pain, which is interesting. Um, Minor League Baseball is hiring robot umpire operators for AAA West. 
So robot oh. umpires are coming and they will be coming to a Tacoma Rainiers ballpark near you. Yeah. Um, that That's interesting. I'm interested to see how that plays out and I might have to. I hope that. I hope it ends up working, dude. That's so overdue. I might have to see that in person. I might. Have um, sure. The league is reportedly proposing to pay players based on their fan graphs war. Whoa. Yeah. Um, huh. One of the things that the league themselves suggested to avoid arbitration was to pay players based on their F war. Even Fangraphs is like, yeah, this isn't exactly how they like 100% are, but sure, go ahead. Yeah. So that, that was kind of interesting, kind of interesting to see Major League Baseball looking at the actual stats and be like, hey, you know, we use this. Yeah. Uh, you know, so upcoming schedule. Um, oh, yes. I think actually by the time this comes out, we'll know whether or not uh, Scott Service won AL Manager of the Year or not. Oh, Maybe that's uh, manager let's the, let's take two takes real quick um whoa yeah great job scott that's awesome man you know you really deserve it more than anybody else and um it's really great to see him get some widespread recognition i don't okay, see when do. they announce that okay, tuesday at three o'clock okay let's well. do the bad take now oh you no know, you can't win them all but scott you're sold uh manager of the year to us so Participation trophy. Woo! Yay. This is your odd for... Odd? Damn it. This is your ad for Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Obviously, there aren't as many drops going on right now because race has a football season to play in. Yeah. Um, But still, even then, race is at a pretty good year at punter. I mean, pretty good year. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him playing on Sundays, quite honestly. Um, and I'm not just kissing ass. I mean, if you look at like the average, his pun average is pretty good. Um, so that is H O M S S E A T T L E dot com, home Seattle. Go check out. Um, as we move to our Seattle Sounders here, no game over the past week as the Sounders, uh, well, MLS kind of has a weird thing where they announce playoffs and then they don't happen for like two weeks. So it's like, okay. Um, Team notes, MVP finalists were announced. Zhao Paulo is on the shortlist for that. Uh, and then the other two things that the Sounders have people on shortlist for are Yamar Gomez Andrade is on the shortlist for Defensive Player of the Year. And Brian Schmetzer is on the shortlist for Coach of the Year. So looking ahead, uh, this actually doesn't come out. This game doesn't happen until like four hours after this next episode will drop. Like not oh. even this episode, the next episode. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> the Sounders play November 23rd, which is a Tuesday versus Real Salt Lake at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, a Tuesday in Seattle at 7.30. Okay. Um, really weird that you have the second overall seed in the playoffs playing on a Tuesday, but I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we. I mean, even, even next week, I'm going to be talking about this, right? Like even next week episode would be like looking ahead, you know, because <laughs> so uh, no storm news. It's really quiet. Like nothing is happening in the WNBA right now. All of it is like all the other players around the league um, are playing, you know, Euro basketball. I know Katie Lou Samuelson and Carly Samuelson are over playing Euro league basketball. 
Uh, Drew Lloyd had her jersey retired at her high school, so congratulations on that. That's but there's team. not anything going on. There's no free agency. There's no trade. Nothing. It's just quiet. Oh. So no storm news report. Uh, this is your chance to check out Maestro Athletics. It is M A E S T R O A T H L E T I C S. Maestro Athletics just came out with a Kraken launch. Uh, Kraken shorts and Kraken hat are available now. That pre-order actually ends within the next few days. Speaking of Kraken, as we get into the Seattle Kraken regular season continuance, uh, not the best past few weeks, guys. Uh, November 9th, the Vegas Golden Knights came to town. Seattle would lose that game 4-2. to two. Play the game would be Brandon Tanev with one assist, one point, one plus minus, one shot on goal, and four hits. Um, November 11th versus the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, the team would lose that game by a score of 7-4. to four. Uh, Play of the game would be Ryan Donato with two assists, two points, a two plus minus, and one shot on goal. November 13th versus the Minnesota Wild. Seattle would lose that game as well Oof. by a score of four to two. Uh, player of the game would be Alex Wenberg. One goal, one assist, two points, three shots on goal, one block. So what I'll say about the Kraken here, right? Again, don't get this idea of Vegas in your head, right? This is not Vegas, completely different situation, completely different draft, right? Um this is a this is, this is an expansion team. Your first year, you're going to have hiccups. Like, I don't know what expansion team didn't. Even Vegas had their hiccups. In any league, I don't know what expansion team in their first year will not have hiccups and growing pains. Um, and, and that's the thing, too. They signed Philip Grubauer in the offseason. Very touted goalkeeper. You know, when you see scores like 7-4, to four, right, people who may be small brain are going to look at it. Oh, the goalkeeper sucks there's a lot of puck watching in the cracking games. There's a lot of defensive breakdown in that regard. Like if all of your, if your two defenders go over to play the guy with the puck, right? Yeah. It leaves open for a passer. Yep. You see what I'm getting at here? Yep. You can't put your goaltender on an Island like that all the time. And to, to be completely fair and not just kiss Phillips ass, there's been a couple where he got five hold, you know, shot goes through, you know, his legs. Fine. I admit that. Yes. That mistake could be cleaned up. Even Philip himself said he takes a little bit to get accustomed to playing with his defenders. Right. Yeah. Um, he had great defenders in Colorado. That's why he almost won the Vizina trophy, which is for the goalkeeper, the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, but again, that goes to just, you know, this is a friend, how, how Bennett, right. How often in life have you ever met somebody and then like two months later, you were perfectly in sync with them? Exactly. I mean, that's what I was just about to say. I mean, that's like one of the most unmentioned things in sports is chemistry, right? Yep, exactly. Like no matter how much your FIFA ultimate team is reliant on chemistry, like Uh, people forget that in real life sports, it's not immediately the most easy thing to play with new people. So I kind of get it. You know, it's hard to just slot yourself in there and all of a sudden be the best you can be because you you don't know these people. You don't, you know, it's just it's hard to do. So I I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the the chemistry thing is so big because it's like, hey, you know, you could have guys that aren't that great, but they've got great chemistry and they play well together. 
you could have superstars come together and they don't play well together and it just splits you know so it's just it's it's chemistry is such a thing yes it's it doesn't get talked about and it's like well it kind of is a big thing so i don't know why you know um and that's something that's going to be built up and that's fine because this is an 82 game season <clears throat> and these guys play till march so it, it's you know at the end of the day this is your hockey team's first year in the league putting the putting the you know Tyler bust thing on the label on them is a little ridiculous yeah i'm going to say like, something maybe a little short-sighted but just be glad we got a we got a gosh darn team you know what no, i mean no that's that's my point you know i'm like hey you got hockey here again you know it, I, you know, I no, yeah, that's I think that's a good thing. It's just wild that it's like, oh, they lost again. Oh, like, oh, did you want them to go 82 and oh, like, yes, oh, that is my expectation for my hockey team. Like, hold on here, <laughs> hold on here. Hell, Seahawks, if we go to the Seahawks when they became when, when they joined the NFL, right, and we look here, um. Uh, I just want their. I just want to see. They didn't make the playoffs for like the first thirteen years. They were yeah. ass. They were terrible. So, and in hockey, it's different because like the top like three or four teams in your division make the playoffs. So it's not like like in the first three years here. I bet you that they make the the crack and make the playoffs at some point. Okay, like I, I <laughs> um. Oh, what? Oh, wait. Main arc, a list of Seahawks records. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, oh, no, I don't mean that record. No, I mean, like, season record. You <laughs> freaking uh, Seahawks seasons. Thank you. Okay. Uh, oh, God. First season, 2-12. and 12. Oof. Second season, 5-9. and nine. Third season, 9-7. and seven. Okay. Getting there. Uh, third season. Oh, well, this is funny, too. They finished. Oh, wait. That's weird. Um, anyway, fourth season, nine and seven. Fifth season, four and twelve. Sixth season, six and ten. Uh, short season in 82, four and five. Um, finally, in 1983, seven years after, they make the playoffs. You know, they go to the AFC Championship game. They get blown out. Well, they don't get blown out. They lose to the Raiders. Um, but, you know, seven years. God, if, if some of those people that I see complaining had to, if I told them you had to wait seven years to make the playoffs, they'd be like, ah, fuck it. I don't want to be a fan anymore. I don't, I don't want know. hockey anymore. Put it back. I don't want put it. Put it back. We can't have it? Okay, put it back. You know, just, I don't know. Just the short-sighted stuff gets me. It's like, dude, just chill out. It'll be fine. Don't be such a big baby. Um. Injury news, November 14th, uh, Colin Blackwell was officially cleared and made his debut against Minnesota. In a corresponding move, Riley Sheehan was placed on waivers, which is kind of an interesting move considering that Sheehan had actually seen a lot of uh, playing time. Um, Sheehan would clear waivers, which was actually a surprise as well. A lot of people uh, expected Sheehan to be claimed. Uh, so uh, I guess fortunate that he will be assigned to the AHL affiliate in Charlotte. Uh, team news, November 2nd, the team activated goaltender Chris Drieger off of injured reserve and reassigned goaltender Joey Dacord to Charlotte. November 6th, Ford Ryan Donato suffered injury uh, and did not return to the game. Uh, league-related news, the NHL will not cover personal co- personal costs for victim 
in the Chicago Blackhawks scandal. A lawyer for John Doe 2 from the Blackhawks scandal has been told by the league that they will not pay for counseling and therapy for him and his family. Ridiculous. Uh, Anaheim Ducks general manager under investigation, Bob Murray, was placed on leave amid accusations of improper professional conduct, uh, alleged to have verbally abused players, coaches, and others in the organization. Uh, on November 10th, Murray would officially resign. Uh, and the Ottawa Senators are having to reschedule some of their games. Ottawa is dealing with a COVID outbreak that has 10 players and protocols. Uh, teams will cease operations until at least November 20th. Uh, it's funny because this is all, these are all, those are all breakthrough cases. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The NHL is like really good actually on vaccines. So I happened to a baseball team too, the, the Yankees, right? Yeah, no, they had a lot of breakthrough stuff. And I was like, people are like, Oh, you can still get COVID. It's like, yeah. Oh, wow, no way. It's not like people were saying that since the vaccine was created. People dumb. Oh, um, so the Kraken today, a four win, 10 loss, one OT loss record. Uh, they're eighth in the Pacific division at the time being looking ahead. There are three games at home to look forward to November 17th versus the struggling Chicago Blackhawks at 7 PM, November 19th versus the Colorado avalanche. That's going to be a tough game, uh, at 7 PM. And then November 21st versus the Washington capitals at 6 PM. Oh boy. Wait a minute. I think they have Ovechkin. I'm st- Still learning. Yeah, he is. Oh, boy. He just moved into fourth in scoring all time. Um, It's funny because he's 36 and he's still playing. You should just look up Alex Ovechkin and look at the pictures. And, you know, he looks old. He looks – he's 36, though. God, crazy. Crazy. Um, Yeah, that's November 21st versus Washington. Oh boy, sad time. Oh no. Uh, get into our oil rain here. Um, November 14th versus the Washington Spirit. The rain would lose that game two to one, ending their season in the semifinal. Uh, Put of the game would be Eugenie Le Sommer with one goal on seven shots, two on goal. Uh, the rain season ends. Oop. Bennett just dropped from the call. Um, so the rain season ends in the NWSL semifinal where they started off flat in the first half and ultimately were not able to contain Washington. Uh, so tell me this, Bennett, if you're playing in a semifinal game, right, you're playing a team that is white hot has won five of the last game, no, six, six of the last games. Uh, and you come out in the first half against this team with great momentum and you play like you're asleep. Oof. Does that sound like a recipe for success? No, usually not. See, it was interesting. In 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 uh, I, you know, I noticed first first few minutes, uh, the rain just kind of looked sloppy. You know, passes not connecting. A lot of passes that went out, that went wide. You could see it's like, hey, where was that two? You know, players would be like making those expressions from my seat in the box. Um, and then in the third minute, the rain get a goal. It's like, oh shit, okay, wow. That was quick, quickest goal in playoff history in the NWSL. Oh, boy. Um, third minute, which boom. Okay, you know, fine. Let's settle the jitters down. Uh, but then nine minutes later, Washington answers. It's like, oh, fuck. Okay, back to square one. That's fine. It's funny. The rain, including this game, <coughs> have played Washington in the semifinal three times. 
It's the first time they lost. And all those games, they've been tied at 1-1 at some point. Um, and then just couldn't get anything after that. And it's funny, the goal that Washington got came off a corner where Washington went, they went short and they patched it short, uh, got a shot off that was deflected. And then the second shot was a chip over the keeper. And it's just like, ah, fuck. And then just couldn't answer again. Um, And that was kind of a thing that over the course of the season, maybe, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you're playing the long con, right. And you're like planting the seeds over the course of the season. And then the big reveals at the end. Right. Right. In like three fourths of the games that they won, the rain scored multiple times like early on in the first half they like got their business out of the way quick and then they just right. kind of coasted that is great if you're able to sustain it sure but like when you're not able when you go late in the game and you can't do anything that's where it's like oh shoot um those earlier it's like ah, oh, it's kind of funny it's like you come out it's just funny to go back can you win the game in the first quarter <laughs> Because, no. yeah, it's great to go and score 24 in the first quarter. But if you don't do anything the rest of the game, so... Um, so it sucks. It really does suck. I mean, the rain kind of gave me my first – they gave me my first press pass. You know, that was a big deal. Uh, so to watch them go from, you know, early in the season, they were bottom of the league to scratching all the way back. We're at first for a couple couple times. And then going to finishing out the season at second, it's no no small feat, you know, from going to like ninth in the league all the way up to 10th, I mean, second, uh, when there's only 10 teams. It's not, you know, um, but it's, it's it sucks because you had a lot of talent on this team. There's players from, you know, all over the world. Um, so, Bennett, you, you'll notice that it's not the Seattle rain, right? Do you know that why that is? Olympic Lyonnais. You know about that whole thing? Uh, yeah, they're sponsored by that team, aren't they? Yeah, well, they like own it. Um, yeah. And Olympic Leonis, uh basically let us borrow some of their better players. Uh, it's like here, uh, their whole goal is to make the Reign like one of the best clubs in the world. And obviously, you have to make them be the best in the U.S. before anything else. Um, but that won't happen this year. You know, no title this year. But it was a good step. It was a good step. Last year, obviously, everything's fucky, so you kind of have to write that off. That's like one of the – I feel like it's one of the few instances where you can legitimately write that season off. You can be like, hey. Yeah, seriously. Um, but it, it was it was really cool to see them go from bottom of the league and just see the French players come and experience anything. Uh, like Eugenie Lissomer talked about trying Taco Bell. She's like, oh, it's so great. It's like, it's just <laughs> Taco Bell. Um like seeing her post about she went to a lot of Mariners, she went to a couple of Mariners games, went to a Sanders game, went to a Kraken game. Seeing the French players come over and just kind of live life over here was kind of funny. Right. Um, cool to see, you know, some of the best players in the world coming to Tacoma and living living life, you know. Uh, you know, getting to see Megan Rapino play on a regular basis, Roosevelt, uh, just Fishlock, just great. You know, pro women's soccer is great. Uh, there's a lot less flopping than men's soccer. So if you don't like, you know, when you watch men's soccer, you're like, oh, shit, these guys fall down a lot. 
<laughs> come watch the women play. Um, but I mean, it sucks. You know, it's when you've got all it, it goes even back to like our Seahawks. You got all this talent, you don't even make it past the semifinal round. You know, so oh, shoot. Um, but hey, Washington's got that kind of thing. There's this thing in sports, and I'm sure you know it, Bennett. When there's a team that just catches fire and they just got this, they're not, they're not a top seed or anything. They're, they're just the team of destiny. Uh, Titans last winning. year, I'd say. Yeah. Or Titans. Um, well, that year they beat the Patriots. What? Out of, out of nowhere. But you know, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just like that um, just keep going, and that's been Washington. Earlier, they were in the same boat. It sucked for a good amount of the year. They have been part of the scandals in NWSL. And they've now won seven straight and they're in the championship game. So uh, the only problem I have with the two teams in the championship is that's funny. The number one overall seed in Portland did not win. Wow. Wow. So the top two seeds lost. Um, But it's funny though, and a little bit annoying. uh, The two teams in the championship game, Chicago and Washington, both have several players that are unvaccinated. Ooh. Yeah, so sucky, sucky, lame. Um, it's not the rain in the final, so fuck them both. Um, injury news: the only injury person on the only person on the injury list uh, was Sam Hyatt, who was out with COVID protocol. So, uh, in team-related news, the NWSL award nominees were announced and voting closed. Jess Fishlock uh, was nominated for the MVP award. Alana Cook was nominated for Defensive Player of the Year. That award actually was announced today. Uh, Alana finished fifth in voting. Laura Harvey was nominated for Coach of the Year. Uh, the announcement for winners will come in the days heading into the championship game this Saturday. Uh, national team call-ups for the late FIFA window were announced. Team USA, uh, Bethany Balser, Alana Cook, Sofia Huerta, and Rose Lavelle all were called up to Team USA. Team USA will play two friendly matches in Australia on November 26th and 30th. Uh, Brazil, Angelina was called up for the late FIFA window, uh, the last FIFA window in 2021. Brazil will take on India on November 25th, Venezuela on 20, November 28th, and Chile on December 1st. In league-related news, the San Diego NWSL expansion side will be called the San Diego Wave. Oh. Um, joining Kansas City as the two teams to be named after things in water, as Kansas City is called the Kansas City Current. Oh, yeah. lame, not going to lie. I, yeah. So you've got the current and the wave. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> leave, the, leave the water names to us, I think. Yeah, let's, let's leave it alone. Um, Rain is kind of a water name. And it's better than current. So the rain finished out second in the league with 42 points, 13 wins, three draws, eight losses. Uh, can't complain. At the end of the day, can't complain. Um, I'll have a end of season recap coming for you next week. Uh, no Supersonics news. <clears throat> no Dragons news. Ooh, next year. Ooh. I, mean, I actually is, saw that they hired a bunch of uh, like front office people, like they hired a president and shit. So that's interesting. Um, you'd have led at whoa. Athletics. You'd have athletics. Uh, Pac-12 and general college news. 
um the ncaa called it oklahoma state so oklahoma state i guess like complained about uh their postseason ban and the NCAA was like hey uh we got threats against our against our committee members for that whoa yeah so that was kind of wild um football oh boy another disappointing football team um so Huskies played November 4th, uh, 13th versus Arizona State. They would lose that game, 35-30. to 30. Huskies started out strong, uh, so some creativity on offense, some creativity in the play calling uh, with interim offensive coordinator Junior Adams taking over. But late in the game, they got back to their old ways, uh, causing a collapse. Uh, Dylan Morris, I, I, I think it's time after this season to just move on. Put Sammy Hurd in, Dylan Morris. Cannot do this job. Uh, Junior Adams, in the first few drives was great play calling. Ever since then, kind of took a crap. Um, just disappointing. Uh, it's funny that both of the teams that we're watching just have uh, past two weeks just offensive failures. Um, massive talent on the team with the subpar coaching. Yeah, no, it's it's. Not a good football year for us. Um, Special, it seems. In game leaders, uh, passing-wise, Dylan Morris completed 16 of 28 attempts, 451 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception, and one fumble. Uh, Rushing, Cameron Davis led on the ground with 18 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. Receiving-wise, Roma Dunze had eight receptions for 82 yards. In the tackle department, Carson Bruner had 14 total tackles and nine solo. In the turnover department, Alex Cook had one interception. The Huskies now move to a four and six record. They are fourth in the Pac-12 North. Obviously, they're not ranked in the nation. Um, and team-related news, oh boy. There seem to be more team-related news than anything else regarding this team. Um, November 13th, more allegations about Jimmy Lake came out in the 2000 game, 2019 game against Arizona. Jimmy Lake reportedly slammed wide receiver Quinton Pounds into a locker and berated the offense, saying that they needed to play better. Um, and that same day, Bob Gregory said that Sam Heard will probably play in one more game due to the uh, play, playing one more game this season to preserve his red shirt. Uh, November 14th, UW would fire Jimmy Lake. Jen Cohen noted that terminating a coach after 13 games is unusual, but she had to make the right decision. Cohen said that they will move swiftly and thoroughly in their search for a new coach. Zodi Allen. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Uh, Cohen said that it became clear to her a few days ago that changes needed to be made. Kind of funny that even after the Montana loss, you didn't notice that. Um, water. Uh, Cohen said, I just didn't have confidence in Coach Lake's ability to lead the program moving forward. Did you ever? I don't know when it when it was announced you know it sounded like a good idea you know Jimmy Lake had been a guy uh, that really did well in the coaching positions that he had leading up to that time Um, you know he had coach Peterson stamp of approval had led a great defense you know UW's kind of always leaned on their defense seemed like a good hire you know last year was kind of like eh, screw it it was kind of a screwy year can't really blame him and then this year, it's just all falling apart. Um, so, um, and college football news as a whole, Cal versus USC had to be postponed. 
as Cal as a program had a bunch of COVID issues. It is the first game affected by COVID this season. Uh, looking ahead for the Huskies, November 20th at Colorado Buffaloes. That game is a 12 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, men's basketball. We finally have men's basketball. Skeptical. Yay. Um, number, number, November 9th versus Northern Illinois. The Huskies will lose that game. 71 to 64. Womp, sad trombone. Uh, player of the game would be Terrell Brown Jr. with 22 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and one block. November 11th versus Northern Arizona. Uh, a different Northern team, Northern Arizona this time, as opposed to Northern Illinois. The Huskies would win that game and bounce back with a 73-62 win. Player of the game would be Emmett Matthews Jr. with 21 points and nine rebounds. November 15th versus Texas Southern. So we go from two Northern teams to a Southern team. Um, Huskies would win that game 72-65. Player of the game would be Terrell Brown Jr. Scoring 20 points, uh, adding a rebound and six assists. Uh, and team-related news, UW men's. Signed two two letters of intent, six seven forward out of King's High School in Shoreline, Tyler Lindhart, and six two guard Keon Menefield Jr. The Huskies hit a two and one record in their eleventh in the Pac twelve. Looking ahead, the Huskies will play on November eighteenth versus Wyoming with a eight p.m. Pacific time tip off. Women's the women's basketball team recently did start their regular season, <coughs> playing November twelfth. Versus San Diego, winning that game 57 to 51. Player of the game would be Missy Peterson with 13 points, four rebounds, three assists, and one steal. And November 14th versus Northern Arizona, winning that game 72 to 65. Player of the game would be Haley Van Dyke with 19 points, one assist, 13 rebounds, and three steals. In team related news, center Nancy Mulkey was voted to the preseason Pac 12 honorable mention team. Um, the team signed three players from the top 100 in the nation to letters of intent. The 10th ranked recruiting class by ESPN shooting guard, Hannah Steins, 5'10 guard, 39th ranked overall in the country has played with Ella Ladine before. We'll get to Ladine in a second. Uh, signed point guard, Tegan Brown. Brown is a 5'10 guard who is 78th ranked in the ESPNW 100 rankings and shooting guard, Ellie Ladine. 5'11 guard, uh, who is 52nd overall. The Huskies now sit, uh, ooh, Lady Huskies, pardon me, sit at a 3 0 record. I had 2 0 there. Uh, upcoming games November 20th, this Saturday versus, Saturday versus number six, Louisville, at 2 p.m. Pacific time tip off. Uh, baseball, baseball had some team news. UW added nine players on National Signing Day. First of those being right handed pitcher Isaac Yeager, who is 6'6 out of Bishop Blanchett. Catcher Bio Sylvester Bo Bio probably Bo probably Bo B E A U Yep, that's Bo. That's like the complicated Bo though. Like, why don't you just make a B O? Because Bo means beautiful in French. Is it really? I yeah. I, I can kind of see it in the spelling. Uh, Bo Sylvester, six foot catcher. If you was... add on the T full onto that, yeah. like. E-E-A-U-T-I-F-U-L. That's where the word comes from. There's your etymology for the day. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> do you need your own show to do etymology? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll work on that. Um, the six-foot catcher is the number one prospect from the state of Hawaii. Uh, infielder Jacob Raymer, 
is a 6'2 infielder, ranked number one at his position in the state of California. Uh, right-handed pitcher Boston Warkington is a 6'2 pitcher who is a member of the Team Canada Junior National Team. Outfielder Cooper, Cooper, sorry, I don't, I don't know why I said copper. Oof, Cooper Witten, 6'3, uh, who's a top 500 national recruit in the nation. Left-handed pitcher slash infielder Will Woodward is 6'7, lettered in varsity football, basketball, and baseball. He's a busy guy. Left-handed pitcher Sam Boyle is 6'2. He is 200, 2021 first team all region west in the nation. Right-handed pitcher Zachary Ten is six foot and the number one pitcher from the state of Hawaii. We're going to stay in Hawaii for infielder Aiva Arquette, six four, and the number one infielder in Hawaii. So the Hawaii pipeline being built through this signing there. Um, no upcoming schedule because baseball hasn't put it out yet. Softball, softball also had three signing day, oh four signing day recruits. But first of all, three Huskies were selected to represent USA softball U eighteen women's national team. Those Huskies were Kenzie Fielder, Riley Haltorf, and Olivia Johnson. Uh, the Huskies signed four for the 2023 season on National Signing Day. The first of those four being outfielder Brooklyn Carter, ninth ranked in her class, 30th in America. Uh, shortstop Alana Johnson, excuse me, uh, 21st ranked by extra innings softball, 53rd by softball America. Pitcher slash designated hitter. That's something you don't, that's really interesting. That's pretty cool. Pitchers class designated. We could use some of those in baseball. Uh, Ruby Malin, 14th ranked by extra inning softball. And then catcher Sydney Stewart. Uh, listen to this. Listen to this first number. Okay. Last season, she batted 0.559 with 14 homers and 45 RBIs. She ranked 39th in her class. Pretty, pretty good batting average. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> softball does not actually also have a schedule because they too have not announced it yet. Uh, men's soccer and women. Well, eh, we do have some women's news. Uh, both soccer teams, uh, men's soccer game recap November 11th at number four, Oregon State. They would draw two to two. So Oregon State gets the upper hand this year because they beat UW up here um, earlier in the season and they draw now. So freaking Beavers. Um, it's funny because they're ranked fourth in the country, but the tournament bracket came out right, and Oregon State's number one, uh, the number one seed, but UW was ranked number one in the country, so we get the two seed, yay! Damn Beavers. Um, play of the game would be Gio Miglietti, uh, scoring one goal on two shots, two of them on uh, on target. Team news: Dylan Tevis earned Pac-12 Player of the Week for last week. He had a Thursday night brace. He had his fourth game-winning goal of the year and moved into ninth all-time in assists at UW. Charlie Ostrom and Dylan Tevis earned first-team academic all-district honors. And the Huskies, as I mentioned, were given the number two overall seed in NCAA tournament. They will play the winner of Portland versus Seattle U in the second round. Oh, yeah. Portland. Who would go there? Um, No one's saying, I'll tell you. You're saying Ben P isn't sane? That's kind of mean. I'm so sorry. I'm going to call him right now. I'm so sorry, Ben. Midnight, just call Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. Guess what? You'll never guess. <laughs> ben is being mean to you. Um, so the Huskies finish out the regular season with a 14 win, two draw, one loss record. Still ranked number one in the country. So first and no, second in the Pac 12. Oregon State won the Pac 12 title. Damn it. 
um upcoming games ncaa tournament we are waiting oh wait no actually i think i have that hold on don't let me lie to you do 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 i don't like lying uh ncaa tournament um so that'd be a big deal uh it is the winner versus of portland state no party portland versus Seattle U. that game will be at u-dub and that will be on november 21st um which is a Sunday. Time still be determined. Um, women's soccer had women's soccer signing day. Goalkeeper Maya Hamant is a multiple-time all-league goalkeeper from her respective league. Uh, midfielder Lucy Newland, club captain for seven straight years. Got some leadership there. Forward Jaden Crowley, the 2021 Mid-Columbia Conference Player of the Year. Midfielder Chloe Seelhoff was a three-team all-area selection. Outside back slash center back, Colo Siluifa, three-time member of the ECNL Southwest first team. Midfielder slash forward, Tatum Thomasson. Thomasson. T-H-O-M-A-S-O-N. Thomason, Thomasson. Probably yeah, those work. Kind of like, sounds like Thompson a little bit. It's annoying. It's like just spell Thompson. Uh, <laughs> participated yeah. in the U.S. Youth National Team ID event. Outside back, Riley Brown, part of the ODP original state team. And then center back, Evelina Peterson, who earned 14 caps with the Swedish youth national teams. Uh, and then other team news for the women's soccer team, Summer Yates earned all Pac-12 first team honors, earned all Pac-12 honors for the third straight season, and led UW in goals, assists, and points. Uh, got a season recap coming for you for women's soccer next week. And then to wrap it up with volleyball, uh, November 11th at number 20 Stanford. The Huskies will win the game for three to one. Play the game will be Samantha Drexel with 20 total points. And then November 14th at Cal, the Huskies will win that game three to nothing. Play the game would be Shannon Crenshaw with 15.5 total points. In team leader news, Marin Grote would earn Pac 12 Defensive Player of the Week, which is her second time this year. The Huskies volleyball team sits at a 20 win, four loss record. They are 12th in the Pac 12. No, pardon me. What the hell? 12th in the nation. I read the Pac-12 thing uh, a little too early. Pardon me. Um, Pac-12 rankings. They are second in the Pac-12 behind UCLA, who has the same exact record and the same exact conference record. Huh. How is that? I want to see the tiebreaker here. I don't. Because it's in LA, Chuck. I don't doubt it. Uh, oh, yeah, the game against Portland got canceled because of COVID. Um, oh, the uh, UW game did? Yeah, the volleyball one. When was that? Uh, September 17th. Oh, okay, never mind then. Why, you got deets? No, I just, I remember seeing like a bunch of UW people around. Huh. Back. Um, and, huh, okay, that's interesting because... We've played UCLA twice this year, and we won one and we lost one. So I don't know how they get the tiebreaker. Maybe it's maybe it's total sets. That's got to be a total sets. Okay. Anyway, who won? Who won by more? UCLA. UCLA swept us, and then we won three to two. So that's got to be why. Um, upcoming, the volleyball team. Welcomes the Oregon teams as November 19th. They will play Oregon State at starting at 7 o'clock. 
And then November 21st versus Oregon, uh, which is a two o'clock. Oregon is ranked number 16. So the Pac-12 volleyball does not mess around. With that being said, um, another week in Seattle sports uh, just kind of feels like with the with the football teams being as sucky as they are, uh, kind of morbid. Um, and with some teams, geez, no, let's just look at it. So Seahawks lose. Mariners won't play. Sanders won't play. Uh, Kraken past two weeks have been losing the majority of their games. The Rain get eliminated from the playoffs. Another kind of sad week, man. You yeah, know? a pretty bad week for Mariners or uh, Seattle sports. Yeah, I mean – you know, geez. I mean, football lost. Men's soccer drew. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Volleyball won. Uh, so volleyball and both men's and women's basketball are the only teams that did anything. Yay. With that being said, um, good to have Bennett back on the show. It's been a while. Um, but I, I, it would be nicer if our results were better, huh? Yeah. yeah. With that being said, uh, Bennett, do you have any last remarks? Um, no, thanks for having me back on. I, it's been a minute. I'm glad to be back. Do you want to talk about the show you were, you just, you just wrap up? Oh yeah. I, I, uh, for those of you who do not know, I'm an actor and I just wrapped up a show over here at university of Portland. Um, it was a classical piece from about the 1600s. So it was a lot of fun kind of dealing with that language, but yeah, uh, they, being done with that does mean I can be back on here. So it was a small reprieve from the podcasting world, but I'm back. Been doing many things. Yes, I'm a little all over the place. <clears throat> Next, he will be applying for head coach of the Seahawks. I will, actually. Uh, Youngest head coach in the NFL. Uh, by the time I get hired, I'm hoping to be 21. Are you going to be wearing the Air Monarchs? Uh, you know, and chewing the bubble yum. I got to keep something. I respect it. With that being said, uh, we will see you hopefully next week. You know, it's, it's, people get busy, so I'm not going to guarantee. I'm not going to speak for Bennett here, uh, but that would be the hope. And ho- you know, wouldn't would it be a nice present to beat the Cardinals? That'd be great. That'd be great. Oh, but an, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not getting my hopes up. Until then, uh, it has been good. It's been a little bit longer of an episode because now you know with people I can actually discuss these things. It's not yeah. you just talking. Uh, until next week. Uh, Take care. Be well. We'll see you later. Baba Bowie.